I just have to say the most surprising thing for me was discovering that Wookiees and Ewoks were genetically compatible. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. yeah, the hybrid was weird. Well, yeah, I know. It, it well, was, but you could tell that it came from sure, both. So. Yeah. Sure, but, I, yeah. but the thing that really surprised me about that was that it wasn't just halfway between no, an no, Ewok no. and a Wookiee. Yeah. It was the top half of the Ewok <laughs> and the bottom half of a Wookiee. Right, right. Very, yeah. Yeah, very strange. Yeah. Very strange. I mean, it should have been obvious from the name. Ewok, Wookiee. I mean, they're the yeah, same yeah. letters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And welcome to Show and Tell, the podcast series from the RPG Academy, where we bring on a guest and we talk about something cool. Today's guest is Mike Selinker of Lone Shark Games, and the something cool is the new Kickstarter his company has launched called The Ninth World, a skill-building game set in the Numenera universe. Mike, welcome to the show. Hello, I am happy to be back. <laughs> well, we are very happy to have you, though I'm using the we in the royal sense, because unfortunately my co-host Caleb is not here tonight. What? Yes, oh. he said something about being afraid of you, and he would free, refuse to be on air with you. This was going to be the one time I was going to be nice to him. <laughs> you know, I think he's heard that before. I had it on my base camp calendar and everything. Be nice to Caleb Day. Oh, he is going to be so upset when he hears that. Well, we'll get him back uh, next time I'm on. I mean, it won't be, <laughs> be nice to Caleb Day then, but I mean, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll let him know how badly he aired. <laughs> I tell him all the time, so he's used to that. All right. So first of all, though, I, I actually have a small bone to pick with you, sir. Bring it. Because last time we spoke, which really wasn't that long ago, um, I kind of asked you, was like, hey, can you give me any any scoops, any details on what, what's coming next? And, and you kind of played it coy. And yeah, this, that, and the other. I may have invented a brand new type of game. You know, whatever. You kind of brush that off. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, those are the types of scoops that can get a podcaster a Peabody or a Grammy or something, right? Isn't oh, that yeah. how that works? I mean, uh, you can get it. it uh, are you aiming for spoken word or maybe like Latin? Uh, Latin. Latin? Okay. All right. Uh, how about, uh, uh, all right. Well, fair enough. Um, I'm going to give you the scoop now. How about that? Oh, okay. Perfect. We'll, we'll just edit them together. It'll be like yeah, it happened. You'll, no, all you have to do, actually, to make this a scoop is to redate the podcast to be from November. You know, I, I messed that up a lot. I can make that happen. Yeah, exactly. You just say, look, <laughs> we put this out in November. If you didn't listen to it, then that's why you missed the scoop. <laughs> right. That's your fault, not mine. Seriously. I mean, you know, we didn't get this far by telling the truth. <laughs> so so I assume that this new game type that you invented was is what we would now call a skill building game, because I've never quite heard that vocabulary in a game. Yeah, well, it's new. Um, so... Uh, so let's see. So I have a couple of friends. Um, their names are Paul Peterson and Boyan Radakovich. They are my only friends. I have no other <laughs> friends. Um, and they were working on a crazy new game idea that uh, they foolishly showed me. They were like, you know... Uh, we we shouldn't trust you or anything, but but here's here's a game that maybe we're we might like to make someday, and I was like, it will be mine. <laughs> so, um, uh, so basically, uh, what a skill building game is 
is that um, so uh, Paul Peterson, one of the uh, two members of the Paul and Bo subroutine, uh, is uh, the designer of Smash Up, and Smash Up uh, came on the heels of a deck building game, the deck building craze, the the uh, the uh, joie de vivre as they call it, and um, uh, they uh, Paul was like. I don't know, man, deck building, those are cool and all, but I want to make this new thing called a shuffle building game where you take two decks of cards, you shuffle them together, and now you have this whole new deck of cards. You don't have to wait for cards to get in your hand. You don't have to uh, randomize, you know, like uh, uh, hope that they come up at the right period of time, like in all deck builders. And I don't know, it just seemed like a little more fun than some of the deck builders that, uh, that we would see. Right, so Paul, uh, Paul um, uh, would be. Uh, Paul, Paul said that he would uh, go a different direction than a lot of the deck builder. Uh, a lot of the deck builders is gone. So, flash forward about two uh, through maybe two years or so, uh, I was hanging out with Bo down in um, this place called Los Angeles. Uh, which he had discovered, and we um, he we were sitting in a cafeteria, uh, waiting to be um, cast in some sort of great blockbuster because that's what you do. And uh, instead, he showed me a card game, and I was like, "Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, this is a new thing uh, that he and Paul have been working on." Which tackled the same problem, which is deck builders take forever to get the cards that you want into your hand. So he said, "What if we removed?" I don't know the deck. Um, <laughs> okay. And so they removed the, he said, why don't we take the deck out of here and uh, instead just give you a hand of cards that you make better over the course of the game. Right. And so you would use some of these cards to, to proceed in the game and, and defeat monsters or, or, or get new technology or, or uh, go on quests or anything like that. But also you could use them to uh, develop your hand. You could make your hand better. And so the, um, the change that made was it took the deck of cards that you would have to have in a deck builder and democratized it. It put it all over the board. Now all the things that you needed in your deck were things that you could pick up along the way and then use, but they would never go into your hand. Your hand would always be uncluttered and clean and, and getting better over time. And you'd always have to focus only on these cards that you started with and, and improved over the period of time. And so this was, revolutionary i mean the the guys came up with a totally new engine that i had never seen before and so i i said well we had at the same time created the adventure card game mechanic um for pathfinder and apocrypha and and had you know spent a lot of time working on that and uh sort of figured out how to do games that had locations and characters and and other crazy nonsense like that in it and and i said well let me take that technology and put it with what you have and we can make a super awesome game so at the time i was just sort of processing this as a game but they had also made the genius decision to set it in the world of numenera 
which is one of my favorite uh, one of my favorite RPGs uh, because it's set a billion years in the future and it's very explorative and hopeful and and you know uh, all this crazy technology that's everywhere and so forth and so um, so uh, I was like this is a perfect match let me go to Monty Cook Games and see if they'd like us to uh, to make this game. And they said that would be awesome. <laughs> and so uh, that's where we that's where we ended up. Yeah, that's one of the things I was curious about was was how these two things came together. I've had the the pleasure of meeting Shauna a couple times. I interviewed her awesome. for the show once. Uh, lo- lovely lady. Can't say enough nice things about her. So the game engine was already kind of in development, and then you decided to partner with them, or did they come to you and say, "Hey, we want to make a game"? Like, how did they come together exactly? Well, I mean, Bo and Paul had. Uh, well, you know what? Let's not ask me. Hey, look, it's another <laughs> special guest. It's Mr. Bo Radakovich. Hello. He's just come over randomly. Hey, I just happen to be here. Well, Bo, it's a pleasure to meet you. Hello. So uh, did you hear the question? Uh, could you repeat it? Yeah, um, I was talking to Mike about kind of how the the new game that was created, the skill building game, and then the setting for Numenera, like how did those two come together? Were you developing a game for Monty Cook Games and this is what you came up with? Or did it, just, what was that process like of those coming together? Um, originally, there, it started with the mechanic. Uh, Paul and I were trying to get the mechanic down this new sort of technology tree bidding game, which we're calling skill building. Um, but quickly we realized it had to be in a thing. Like, yeah, we want to be heroes in a world. What world? And man, Numenera is so awesome. And so quickly it turned into sort of off the record Numenera game. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, all right. Um, Wait, so you are being recorded. <laughs> in a world where you could pick anything. Yeah, anything. And, and so, you know, you could pick Star Wars or Star Trek or Lord of the Rings. Imagine that they were all free and you could just walk up to the shelf and take one. That's kind of what the guys did. Yeah. And so that's not really how it's done. No. <laughs> no, no, no. But, but that, what's awesome about Numenera is it does have this like infinite potential, and you could go and do anything. Yeah. And that's that was very attractive uh, to us. And then Mike knows Monty from yeah. like back in the day, and so we all kind of got together. And you was, was, you had to be fair, you had tipped them off. Yeah, <laughs> you had you had you had uh, you had said. Hey guys, I might be working on a thing that that could be awesome. Like, yeah, it's not like it's not like he completely ambushed it. It, it was not it was not an ambush, <laughs> and also um, Shane Tyree, yeah, is an illustrator for Numenera, knows the world very well, and I was working with him to make the early prototype. Um, and so, yeah, I'm not gonna say it was made tailor. Well, yeah, it was tailor made for Numenera. I'm just gonna well, yeah, say. Okay. There it is. <laughs> Like, well, just not, not officially tailor-made for Luminera <laughs> in a way that you could actually produce a game. That's correct. <laughs> that is correct. Yeah. So okay. So that's why that's why the partnership worked out because Mike took it to the next level, you know. And so Lone Shark took this, you know, really nice 
mechanic that we had built and we formed into this like strong crystalline structure. And then he's like, I'm just going to do all these things to it. And I was like, wow, that sounds awesome. <laughs> and so, yeah. And now the new game is much stronger than it was before. It's more robust, very more, it's much more thematic. Um, I feel like the replay is much stronger and it's going to be awesome. Yeah. I, um, I, I definitely, came at it from the point of view of uh, Bo and Paul had created a very Numenera themed core engine that you would enjoy playing whenever you took it, took it out. But for me, after the Pathfinder adventure card game, it's really important for me to view things as, as lines, right? Like how is somebody who's part of, the Numenera universe or thinks it's cool when they hear about it, gonna, gonna invest themselves in it and, 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 and not just bring it out every, you know, like, Oh, let's play an hour of this game before we start our regular D and D campaign, but instead say, uh, okay, it's Thursday. We're, we're playing the ninth world, right? Cause, cause yeah. if you don't show up, we don't get to play. Yeah. That would and, be cool. And so I've definitely <laughs> wanted that element. And I, I, you know, I mean, it's not like it was hard to superimpose, right? I mean, you came up with a really cool way to um, build a, a walk through the world. Yeah, it's designed to be a hero, right? So the mechanics are such that it could be any hero in any world moving through and building their skills. And I wanted to make sure that every skill was capable of earning points and winning so that if you wanted to play someone who was non-combat and was strictly about exploration and talking to NPCs and doing quests and that kind of stuff that you can totally win and that you don't have to fight. And I think that's very important because in, in lots of games, the conflict, all the tension tends to be direct, like fight a thing. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be that. Um, There's a lot of tension in the game without, monsters yeah we uh we um i've had a number of people who've come onto the campaign who've said i'm excited about this but but why is it competitive and i say well it's not competitive in the way you think it's competitive it's not like i punch you in the face it's who's going to come back with the best stuff who's going to come back with the the most accolades yeah right in the same way that people uh in real life can be on the same, you know, work for the same company, go to the same school, all that stuff, still have pride in who they are and that identity. But, you know, it's cool when you get, you know, you get the scholarship, you get the promotion, even though we're not, you know, in direct conflict over that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's a different, it's a different way of looking at competition. It's a much more European style. Yeah. So in European games, it's, it's common for, for players to, compete versus resources and try to be like more efficient or try to do better at a certain thing than other players and think resources are limited and we're competing but we're not directly competing i'm not taking things from you and so as you build you get stronger and i get stronger and we just have to see who is better and so for american players who aren't used to that european style it's not directly competitive so don't worry about that but also Mike, 
said maybe we should talk about making a co-op version of the game and so and so yeah we're gonna do we're gonna do like we know we can do a solo version and we are gonna do that because people more and more people really just like when they get a copy of a game they want to they want to play it by themselves yeah test it out see the mechanics learn the rules and, and sometimes that translates to oh nobody came over today but i still want to play the game and so it's real easy for this game to do that. We put a, a bar for you to shoot at. If yep. you hit that bar, you win. If you don't, you lose. It's fine. It's easy. The co-op mode, I was shocked. Not shocked. I was surprised to see how much desire there was out there for it. And it shouldn't surprise me because I've just produced a really big game that was based on an RPG and everybody likes the co-op mode. Yeah. So uh, I thought maybe this game would be would be fine without it but but i started to think about it i was like well if it works as a solo game then in theory with a couple of tweaks it can also work as a co-op game so we're gonna we're gonna play around with it and see where we get yeah and i i would say it if we could do both that would be amazing because having both of those player types at the table yeah. you know you can choose like oh maybe today we'll play co-op or, or let's try competitive and but it wasn't it wasn't originally designed that way, to be honest. It was it was straight European yeah. style competitive, but I don't. I actually eh, I, I welcome the challenge. Yeah, so. <laughs> I think it's I think it's I think it's totally doable. So for so one one more voice out of the darkness. I also would enjoy a co op mode. I just find that a lot of times getting together with my friends, it's easier to pull out a co op game where we work together than it is um, any any sort of competition. Uh, so I would be a fan of co op. You know, it's just like when we were when we were working on Betrayal at House on the Hill, which was only only like twelve years ago or whatever. The concept of saying, "Hey, let's pull out a co-op game." Oh, you mean a role-playing game? Right. I'm like, no, I don't. You don't have to be in character. You just have to work together. Why would I want to do that? <laughs> right. <laughs> Why would I want to help you? Well, some people like that, and other players like the other and thing. Now, and now I'm having the backlash, right? Like a you know a decade later of like every time I try to make a a competitive game, it's like, well, where's the co-op? Where's the co-op? Mode? Maybe I don't want to compete. <laughs> yeah. Nice. We're just nicer people now. Yeah. Um, and also, the the world does lend itself to that. Yeah, like, thematically, being heroes working together makes a lot of sense, and that's actually how the game is played as a role playing mm-hmm. game. So I understand, and I think it, I think it would be awesome to do it. But Lords of Waterdeep uh, <laughs> was was set in the D and D world, yeah. but it's not. Doesn't seem to have a co op mode. There is no co op <laughs> mode in it, and it was very successful, um, and it was a different style game, but. I can't imagine a Dungeons and Dragons game that isn't co-op, though. Right. Well, Lords of Waterdeep was awesome, <laughs> um, but it it would it be. But the thing is, in Waterdeep, you're not playing the characters. You're not the hero. Yeah. You're sort of one level of abstraction above. You're like the Mister Johnson that's kind of like pulling all the strings, and that's not the same in Numenera. No. Like in the Ninth World, you are the hero. Like those well, are your so, skills and those are your abilities. And like, you know. The Ninth World is also, one of the great things I like about it is it's really a, the stuff on your back game. Like there isn't, we don't spend time building our stronghold and defending it, right? Like right. it's really, I'm going to get in this, I don't know, let's call it a vehicle. 
Right. Might be, might have, it might have horns and, uh, and, and teeth, but let's get, let's get on it. Right? right. And just go out and see what's in this crazy environment. And then I walk along and on the roadside, there's a thing that has electronical components, but also seems to be made of jellyfish. So why don't I put it on my head? That's probably right. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Right. And so <laughs> I heard that's the way you do that. Yeah, sure. It was well. It happened. It, it it's what happened the time before last. Right. Then there was the time Bob put the last one on. Well, Bob's not around anymore. But okay, fine. <laughs> and so, um, and and that's very much a, a an extremely personal environment. Yeah. Right. Like, uh, even Dungeons and Dragons isn't, and and Pathfinder aren't personal in the same way like like there's this sense that you're in complete control of the environment oh there's a giant you know there's a dragon rampaging around and and let's let's get the best heroes of the kingdom together right and numenera is more just like let's go camping well yeah there's no there's no guild yeah there's not like a hey let's all we all belong to this thing and we're going to do a thing it's like no i'm I figured out how to do this thing. Right. And yeah. now and, I'm a hero. <laughs> and, 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 and my friend with the lizard face is going to come along, right? He's, he's real good at uh, talking to people with his brain. Sure. I don't know how you do that, but <laughs> it's cool to have somebody like that. Right. Yeah. And so, so uh, come on in. So, uh, oh, another special guest. We might have another special guest. <laughs> oh, um, wow. Yeah, it's 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 the it's the whole crew. Hey, hey, uh so Hello. this is Paul Peterson. Hey, Paul's gonna be here. Look, it's Paul Peterson. This is RPG Academy. Uh, hi, how's it going? And I'm so doing very uh, well, Paul, thank you. Yeah, so come on in, come join us. Uh we you have the uh it's audio. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I know. We wouldn't have we would have asked you to clean up if it wasn't audio. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> uh, Paul is wearing a tuxedo, just yes. so you know. <laughs> yes, yeah. Very dapper, uh, sir. Very dapper. Thank you. Thank you. I try. You know. uh, so we were. You've uh, called on a night where we were going to get together and discuss uh, developing the game, and so we're all together. And so we figured, let's turn it into a podcast. Of course. Yeah. So um, <laughs> Paul is, uh, as I mentioned, the designer of the game Smash Up. Uh, so I'm sure your listeners have seen that magnificence on their their bookshelves. She's done many things, and also, yeah. also uh, my collaborator on the Pathfinder Adventure Card Game. That's right. Yeah. So uh, we've we've already gone through the sort of um, how this got to Lone Shark. Oh, excellent. But uh, but you know, I mean, like Paul, when Paul comes in and says, "I think I, I think we might have a game that'd be real good." My response, <laughs> my response isn't usually "Get the hell out of my office." Yeah, we don't do well, those. Yeah, yeah. Right, so, we have better things to do. Exactly. So, anyway, uh, um, Paul, uh, uh, let's talk about this uh, skill building game of yours. <laughs> of ours, I know, I know, but I, we've been here. Oh, I see. We, we, Bo and I have been like. Well, we, I don't know what you covered. So we we did talk about what a skill building game is, but okay, we didn't awesome. maybe talk about the full process. But maybe you want to say the story about when we first the first prototype, the very like straight from the brain. Do you remember that? I, I remember us sitting there just like, no, we should do it this way. No, 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 that won't work. Let's do it this way and we'll flip it around on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the thing I say is like Paul and I have this telepathy, which is really, <laughs> really scary for people who um, aren't used to it, where I'll start a sentence and he'll finish my sandwich for me and okay. that sort of thing. And in terms of the game design, 
the first time we played the prototype, it was probably 50% done on just yeah. like straight from the brain. Right. Um, hey, I have this idea. Oh, let's try this. Oh, cool. But oh, right. Make it three point. Oh, no. How about this thing? Oh, yeah. Do it in five. All right. Great. And we played it. And I was like, holy, wow, this thing is actually good. There's something here. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then uh, we just refined it over and over and over. Um, and yep. Paul is amazing on development. Um, yeah. I, I don't Paul, know if there's anyone Paul, better. No, the, Paul, 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 we get to glow here. Paul is the person who uh, I have said, if I want to make a game, I have lots of friends who can help me with that. If I want to break a game, there's only one person I call. <laughs> and that's Paul Peterson. Yeah. Right? Because... Because Paul will come over and go, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, the rest of my friends are like, I think you're really on to something here. <laughs> you know, and Paul, Paul will come in and go, do you not see <laughs> right. this glaring hole I'm going to sit in? I'd, I'd much prefer to come in and say, oh, this game is really good. But if you just, all right, there we go. <laughs> so, uh, oh, look, we're joined by a third, a fourth member of our crew. Hey, Guybrush. That's my dog. <laughs> uh, so, uh, uh, yeah, so Paul, Paul comes in and is really capable of saying, I'm going to iterate on this game to make sure it's invulnerable to people, you know, poking at it and seeing if it will fall apart. Right. Right. And so, and that's a real valuable skill. And it definitely made the Pathfinder Adventure card game uh, as strong as it was to um, outside pressure. And so, uh, so when this, this one came across, you know, you guys showed this to me, what, about three months in or so? Oh, probably something like that. Yeah. Someone, so you guys had been, you guys had gotten beyond your first, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I think, I think you had Belisera cards with Sharpie on them, <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, with my little, like, Sharpie marks. And... I love your little, got your little stick figures. Yeah. Hi, I am an adventurer, <laughs> right? <laughs> right, so it's like a little meeple with like a spear. It's like, that's a glaive, <laughs> right? sure. of course, uh, yeah. Actually, no. All your monsters were little meeples with spears. Yeah, just yeah. to be clear, exactly. it's like this is the game of fighting people with spears. <laughs> right. Spears. Anybody can make a spear, right? And then it's like a quest would be a little meeple with like a little talkie bubble with yeah. like three dots on it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah that so was, it was pretty early. That was very early. Yeah. Um, and then we made a prototype with with Shane and made it look really sexy. Yeah. And then that's when. You're like, oh no, this is no, we're doing this. <laughs> we're doing this. <laughs> there was a little. I don't, there was probably a point where I asked you <laughs> whether you wanted to sell the game to me. Yeah, did I, that happen? I'm not sure. I'm I, really sure. All I remember is saying, "We're doing this. Let's yeah. go." Uh, I think they're probably maybe. maybe. Just, you know. <laughs> uh, but no, um, I think the real thing was um, I. Uh, one of the reasons I jumped on this was that Monty and I. Uh, were very were, worked very closely on third edition Dungeons and Dragons. I was the creative director for the sort of beginner box and and those kinds of experiences where we were kind of first line to the customer. You know, like if if you'd never played Dungeons and Dragons before, we had to get this really right. And Monty and I had some epic fights. I mean, like. 
we we would go at each other on you know our company email system at Wizards, and people would just make popcorn and watch. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and so, and we developed a really healthy respect for each other yeah, during what that. I, that's what I've already said about Wizards is like we would have knockdown drag out screaming matches of each other and then go oh it's lunchtime let's go get something <laughs> yeah. and just like chat about whatever at yeah, lunch, but, you know? well and so so i mean we but i mean so we worked on that we worked on uh he helped uh define the direction for a game i did called the marvel superheroes adventure game uh and which was really influential in the development of the pathfinder game uh along the way and so but uh, and so we would hang out, every, and then he left Wizards, and I left Wizards after that, and I founded Lone Shark, and we would hang out, and we never got to, we never worked on anything together. Like, we would keep missing each other. Like, I worked at, I worked on a game with James Ernest for WizKids called Pirates of the Spanish Main, right around the time he was working on Heroclix, and we never saw each other in that <laughs> process, right? Wow. And so when these guys showed up with a game that was at least theoretically set in the Numenera universe yep. in the sense that they didn't have a license to do the game, but they, <laughs> they wanted to, they really liked that. I was just like, Monty, we got to do, we got to do this. And they were, they said, Oh, we've been, I mean, I don't want to over dramatize it, but it was like, we want to work with you all this time too. Right. And so Charles Ryan and I uh, talked and, you know, 10 minutes later we were making the game. Yep. Uh, so, and then we took it to Kickstarter, and it's uh, it's yeah. certainly uh, been embraced there, which has been really good. That's very, it's very al- cool. yeah, already funded. So yeah, that's awesome. That's really good, and uh, and yeah, now we're now we're thinking of things that we can do to make it even more awesome. Uh, Bo and I were talking about uh, how how bids work and whether we need other components to, sure. yeah, yeah, to yeah, physically yeah. be involved in that. So we're gonna gonna do that. Um, we're we're expanding the universe um so the game is set in a place called the steadfast which is a set of nine kingdoms slightly more civilized slightly more civilized than everywhere else yeah exactly yeah and so they are not currently under attack at the moment but it might be tomorrow (laughs) and so and so um but we said well we want to do the crazy environment outside that but fans do you want us to do that and they've said yeah we want you to do that so um we're we're expanding the universe a little bit we've got preview cards we've got a map that um is probably going to turn into a uh uh, a double-sided playmat thing eventually (laughs) uh and just i mean all the all the things that we want to do and then um you know it'll after We'll we'll see where it goes at the end of this Kickstarter campaign, but after that, I mean, we've we've sort of looked at like, wow, the strange is really interesting. That's a uh, look uh, how well these mechanics might fit for it. <laughs> exactly, yes. Yeah. So they have another game called The Strange, which is this world hopping uh, uh, universe super fun. I like the universe mini- uh, uh, crossing game, and we're like, wow, that would be pretty cool. And they've. <laughs> I, credit these guys they think um they've got this uh connection built into the game into the ninth world um where there's this place called the beanstalk and it's got this strange uh stick that goes up into the sky 
And everybody in the Numenera universe is like, I wonder where that stick goes. <laughs> and we're like, we know where that stick goes. Yeah. <laughs> so if people really like this game, we're going to follow that stick. That's oh, right. We're going to go all sorts of places with it. That would be awesome. Yeah. And so you guys have hit a lot of the questions I was going to ask in a couple different ways and roundabout. Uh, so there are a couple of things I do want to ask, and it, it may seem like I'm jumping around. Uh, I just want to try to fit the questions in. Yeah, you're just trying to get around the holes we've already created in your <laughs> question list. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, so one of the things about Numenera that I love is the artwork. I just think it has some absolutely just gorgeous, evocative art. Yeah, we're not going to have any. Well, <laughs> it's an art-free game. No, we just like the stick figures. Yeah, most most little spear guy is, is now the symbol of the campaign. No, we like it too, and we're using a lot of it and making a whole lot more. Yeah. Well, and that, that was my question is how much of the art is repurposed from what's a, what's currently available and how much is new for your game? About half of it is brand new. Me there, just for the just for just the, for the yeah. Um we decided that um we, we could have gone all new. It would not have been that big a deal, but there's some really iconic imagery. Right that we didn't want to we didn't want to remove from the game like we really wanted to use the the amber monolith and and all these things that are that are in there so i would say that the current plan is all the characters will be new a, a, a whole lot of the locations will be new some of the some of the monsters will be you know it'll be a it'll be a mix right there's no need for me to reillustrate the terror bird because right. the terror bird is this scary looking monster that leaps off the but it's awesome yeah too. it's a fantastic <laughs> illustration why would i throw that away and uh like some of those landscapes are just so beautiful yeah i mean it's just like but i mean uh not everything was designed in numenera to be used in a card game card games have real specific needs for for art they need to fit in very specific boxes and they right. need to to really draw right. your eye to them and uh, they have to be, they have to work really well on a small scale. You know, you see these big landscape pieces and you're like, oh, that's going to be perfect. And then you realize that when you shrunk it down, it was gibberish. Yeah, right? exactly. so, so basically, wherever we see something that's awesome and works really well from the card game, we might as well use it. But we'll probably, like I said, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's about 50 plus percent that'll be brand new that'll never be seen before. And then if they like our stuff, they might use it in their game. <laughs> Right, which is great. Like, yeah. I mean, if we make a thing and they go, "Oh, that was the perfect illustration of a, a dinosaur-faced guy," <laughs> we like dinosaur-faced guy. Right. Boom, put it in. Yep, exactly. Well, it's also exactly. it's also canon, right? Like this. Yeah. Is, this is being this is created, canon. This is canon, yeah. and it's being created together. So, yeah, like I, I think the fans will love it, and they should not worry about some weird art style coming out of it. It's like it should all fit into the world. Yeah, the, anybody who's played Numenera is, is going to find the Ninth World very comforting. And anybody who hasn't is going to have their mind blown. <laughs> yeah. Now, as far as the, the actual gameplay, um, you do, you guys do have a couple of videos on your Kickstarter. One where you kind of introduce the game. Another where you go, it's like an eight or nine minute uh, sort of very quick version of the game. But I would try to describe it, but I'm sure you guys can do a better job. So how do, how would you describe to someone how it how it plays, the mechanics of the game? The easiest way to describe it is that you're going to play, uh, depending on whether you're playing a quick game or a long game, or play five or nine rounds. Each round, five phases. You're going to go through those five phases one at a time. And in each phase, 
Everybody has a set of resources. They have the skill cards. That's what you're building, the skill building part. You have your five skill cards, and you can spend zero to five of those cards in each of those phases. But you only have those five cards to last you over the round. And then the next round, you'll get them back, possibly even increase them so that then each round you get better and better. Um, and then what you're going to do with them on a particular round is decide how much of how much of your resources, how much how much skill you're going to spend, and you're going to bid that blind bid against the other players. Everyone reveals after it's hidden information, and then everybody reveals and sees who bid the most. That person acts first, and then you go down the list, and you're bidding in most of the phases. You're bidding to take cards out of the middle that are worth victory points but they're all specific to each of those five phases. In the scouting phase, you're spending points to actually put more cards out on the table. And then in the relics phase, you're, you're going after the relics on the table. Everybody's going after the relics on the table. Quests, everybody's going after the quests. Combat, everybody's going after combat. And then whatever, you have, whatever you've saved from your hand, you use to increase your hand for the next round. Um, and then you do that five, five or nine times, and that's the game. And then um, there's sort of a superimposed layer on top of it, which is where you're playing. Right. So yeah. the thing I mentioned that uh, when, when I said this is, this is essentially how I want to do the game, Bo brought in a really great mechanic, which was we took each kingdom or each region in the game, and we, we laid it out as a series of five cards. You want to describe how that works? Uh, sure. So at, at the start of the game, you will pick which town or area that you're playing in, and then you'll lay out five cards, and they're basically landscape, and they show the terrain and kind of evoke the theme of, of that episode. And then on turn one, you, you, your turn marker is there, and it, you play the game normally. Your turn marker is on the map card, which tells you which where, region you're, starting, where yeah. you're starting. We're starting in this region, okay? So that round plays normally. Right. So then when that full five five phase sequence is finished, you move to the next phase. And in that, there might be something special. And you go through that five times or nine times. Um, and because if you wait, hold on. So there's one map card and four, and four, environment, cards. four environment cards. So together, that's five. But if you want to play the long game, you go back on the cards again. So imagine doubling back on the cards. And this time, the second time you go over a card, it's a different encounter. You're in the same place, but now it's like stronger or there's a new thing that's there. And every time you play, it's different. And so every environment's new. Uh, sometimes if you want to play with the, the wild mechanic where you can actually shuffle them, you can play the same scenario, but the sequence is different. Um, and so that adds a lot of variability to the game as well. And so it's sort of like... Every phase, there's there's five phases per turn, and there's five turns in the game overall, and that's like a full complete session. Or you can do that twice yeah. to do a the long game. The thing that the thing that really resonated for people actually when I show it to them is the sense that you start in a safe place, right? You go out in the full game. You go out to the wilderness. You go yeah. as far out into this crate. You know things are getting strange. Uh, going to a place called the Voil Chasm. I don't want to go. To this. <laughs> who, who says let's take a trip to the Voil Chasm, yeah, kids? Yeah, yeah, right. No one says that, right? right? So you go out, and things start to get really crazy and weird as you get out there, and then you come back, and 
things still might be a little rough along the way, but you're coming back to civilization. Right. And so, and people might say, well, that's not usually the arc. Usually the arc is things get tougher and tougher and tougher and tougher and then end, right? But in, in this game, actually, things get tough and that's when you start to build your system, your your, yeah. your engine, the thing you want to happen, right? And then you bring it home. And as you bring it home, things aren't as maybe as tough as they always were. And you go, now I'm going to really make it work on my way back. Um, that sequence has really resonated with people. Yeah. So like at the beginning, you, you might start off with two skills that are rank one. Like maybe I'm good at scouting and I'm good at combat. So I'm sort of like a ranger like character. Right. But after I've gone through five of these environments, my character might be like, combat three and and now i have charm two and all these other skills as well and my character is very different at that point than anyone else that's playing right and now you can see that kind of dynamic play of oh my choices really matter which way do i want to build and you build your skills to represent the character that you want and what's going on in the environment maybe there's a lot of monsters on the board right like there's creatures out there and you're like oh i have to build up to fight that thing because like oh that's super epic i want those victory points and someone else is like oh no i'm going to go all charm I, I see this like combination on the board where i can like do this quest that feeds into this other quest and i'm going to get like meta faction points it's going to be awesome and everyone gets to make their decisions and it's it's really interesting and fun uh for me both in designing it but also like i've been playing it yeah. i don't know like a, a year years, yeah. yeah and it's a year and a half yeah. And every time people play, they have a they have a good experience with it. And people who know the design of it want to play it again. They're like, "Oh, dude, this thing is amazing! Like, what is this? This is like a new thing." I'm like, "Yeah, it's a new it's a new category. I don't know what to call it." It's and also so, important to understand that I still have not beaten these guys. <laughs> I've still not beaten both of them at the same Paul time. Paul is amazing <laughs> yeah, right. at this game. And so so the, this game's not coming out till I do. No, I see. <laughs> <laughs> oh, darn. I seem to have bit all my points on scouting again. <laughs> so, so Paul has this – Paul has this. so it's simultaneous play, right? So that means every phase we're going to determine how many actions we want to take, right? And Paul has this ability to look and say, oh, I see. Bo is probably going to spend three on this, but knowing that he's going to do that, I should spend four. But Mike could play four if he cracks both of those things. So instead, I will do this, which no one else can like predict. And then he just wrecks us all yeah. in the game. Like, I can't believe you <laughs> did it's that. Usually, it's usually like, God, we are so destroying Paul. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, I mean, oh, no. he's, he's, he's got like half the points we've got. This is going to be what just happened. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so, yeah. So there is. It's cool because there there is high strategy in the game. There's also high luck because what comes out on the board is different. The luck is not in your hand, no. right? It's, so you know exactly what you have and what resources you have and how to build forward. But every time, you know, the environments are different and the town is different, wilderness is different. But how you adapt to it, like that ability, Paul is just off the charts yeah. and like reading the other players. So if you like that kind of feel of... Mm, that sort of intuition in games like well if he does this i should do that but knowing that you know that i know that i should do this yeah. instead like that inconceivable moment um yeah. you will like this game well we you, and, fell, we you fell victim to one of the classic blunders yeah that's exactly exactly, right. that's exactly. <laughs> we we actually put some things in there to slow that down because we are in, in seriousness we we're like okay we need we need uh these relics called ciphers right 
they need to have some variability to them so that so that you can't just do the math do the math right right? like there have to monsters have to hurt you yeah because if they don't hurt you then you know exactly what's going to happen every time you fight a monster so so we actually added a layer on top of the game that euro gamers might kind of wish we didn't put on there in some sense right just that just says just says we want to thwart it a little bit no, no, that no. It's it's your choice. Right. Yeah, they can totally ignore those cards. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can you can choose to go the low luck, like yeah. I I right. know what's on the card, and I'm just gonna play this. Or you can take the strategy of, you know what? I'm gonna start cracking these ciphers and see what happens. And like, let's let's go for it. You know, yeah. and um and it's fun. You know, like you go into that strategy knowing that this is high variance, and for some players, that's awesome. Right. Right. Yeah. So that was get... one of the. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Mike. Well, I'm done. Oh, I said one of the things that I saw from the video is that it looked like it was very skill based. There was nothing really that was random, other than the order that the cards come off of the decks. Yeah. Uh, are all those cards unique, or are they duplicates of those cards that that come uh, off the? Pretty. There's a... there's a few. So we put up a let's put it this way: we put up a print and play of the game that has a lot of duplicates in it. Because we haven't made all the art, we haven't, right, right. right? Like we're we're not done with the game, right? right. So it's, it's really tight right now. But now's the point where we're like, let's experiment, push yeah. it a little bit more. And this so way. what's going to happen? One of the reasons why uh, the art discussion is is interesting, right? Is like we're going to go. Well, wait, we we want to include this in the game. Well, that doesn't have a thing in the <laughs> Numenera universe, Paul. <laughs> right? But it's cool. I made it. It's awesome. I'm like. Okay, then we're gonna have to design it from scratch. Right, right. We're gonna have to go through, and we're gonna say, "All right, well, this thing, this thing is a uh, a buffalo, but it's actually got a cannon built into its body." Right. Okay, fine. We can make that. Yeah, right. Okay. And so we um, we're we're getting to the point where there's gonna be a lot more new stuff in the game. We just don't know what it is yet. Um, I've always believed, and I'm not, this is not always a popular opinion. I've always believed that Kickstarter should happen when people can participate in the, the development and and watch the timeline of the game. A lot of Kickstarters these days are, uh, we made this game and it's done. Would you like to pay me $50? Right. And that's never been my style. So people are going to see if they back this game. They're going to see us do this in live time. They're going to see, like, we'll, we'll, we'll post an update that said, you will never believe what Peterson made us do. <laughs> and so we'll, uh, we'll, we'll say, we made this, you know, what do you think it should be called? Right? <laughs> right? Like, here's, a, here's a, a strange set of ciphers that do this strange thing that we don't have any analog for in the, in the RPG. So we made it. Right. You know, and uh, that's the cool element of Kickstarter for me is that, uh, as we've seen on Apocrypha, people are just like waiting for the next update to see what the crazy thing we illustrated was. And I think that'll be the case on this game, too. Yeah. And also, you guys are doing this awesome thing where the players, you can download the print and play and do session reports. Yeah. You can actually play the game and say, like, wow, I like this or that and all these other things. And so you're actually part of the development process if you want to be. Yeah, and I don't so think if you want it to be weird. more luck, make I, those comments. I am shocked I've never seen this on a Kickstarter campaign before. We put in, this was like, people called me like, oh my God, this is brilliant. 
as if this was some crazy new idea. <laughs> right. I put in a link to a Google form <laughs> right. that Gabby made, our developer Gabby made in 15 minutes that said, if you, once you play a game, submit your playtest feedback. Right. <laughs> it's like, and, and it was just like, wow, that is some new tech. <laughs> like, how is that new? You play the game, you tell us what you think of it. So we've gotten now dozens of playtest reports uh, from people who printed out the game. Uh, and it's a, you know, I mean, this is not a, to print out a copy of a playtest game Right. It's not hundreds of cards. Yeah, it's not cheap, right? But people are like, I want to be involved in the the creative process. So they're giving us feedback and they're like we got um uh we were talking earlier uh when we play the game, this is a very minor thing in the game. When we play the game, you have to the bids are blind. So what we do is we take some cards and we bring them down below the table and then we reveal them. And we get feedback like, I have small hands. <laughs> and when I do that, people see it and my bid is spoiled. Well, we don't have small hands. Right. We have normal human hands. <laughs> and so, so we were like, wow, we better take that feedback into account that even though we, when we play, we don't have a problem hiding our bids from each other. Other people do. Yeah, it's a very valid concern. Let's modify the game. And if we didn't do that in advance, we ship a game that some people get frustrated by and they have to home invent their own solutions to things. That's just stupid. Let's put the stuff up while we have people's attention and see what they did. We did that with Apocrypha too. Nice. Yeah. But that's just good design. Good design is when someone says, oh, yeah, obviously. Like, well, if it was yeah. obvious, everyone would have done it. <laughs> just because it's simple and elegant does not mean it's just like... That's one of Mike's superpowers. <laughs> yeah, obvious. Yeah, so I think I think they're doing a great job with the campaign and, and getting the feedback from the players is awesome. Um, and so, yeah, let, if, you, if, you want, if you want it to go a specific direction, download, make a comment. Yeah, tell, you us, know, post. tell us what you like. I, uh, I absolutely will put links into our show notes to the Kickstarter and, and all that as well. Now, you guys, you have already funded. Your goal was 50000 You're already up, up past sixty right now, and you're getting close to some stretch goals. And from the ones that I could see is it looks like primarily the stretch goals are going to be adding more of the Tableau cards, like the environment cards. We're going to mod the game in a number of different ways. Um, we don't know, uh, you know, we... When we start out with a game, we're always fighting against a budget. Um, we're always fighting against like, okay, can we really afford to put this thing in? Can we really afford to put that thing in? So we start out our our principle, and again, other people don't do this. You can you can see plenty of Kickstarter campaigns that will put a twelve thousand dollar goal out there and say you will get. 50 plastic molded miniatures of of uh of you know bigger than your hand impossible and fantastic go with god you people our approach is always let's make the game we can afford and uh put it out there and say we'd like to make this you know there's some elements that we'd like to do so one of the things is there's an you know we look at like how many press sheets does a does a game cost or does a does a you know, how many cards can we have? Oh, this will allow us to make, you know, the players never see it this way. This will allow us to buy another press sheet. 
and put all these new regions out. This will allow us to put more characters in the game. More laser beams. More laser beams. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly the right approach. And so, but what it looks like when it's done is like with Apocrypha, it looks like, wow, we just added, you know, nine more chapters to the game. Wow. Right? And it became this massive thing. And so we'll see where this one goes. I mean, it's very possible that it will um, it will look a lot like what we started out with. And if it blows up, it might look different. And we don't like to <laughs> think it'll be it'll be great either way. We we can't do a campaign that says I I, I tell these guys this like uh, my, our friend James Ernest is you know in a very valuable position because he can say, well these components will be paper unless we do well and then we can make them cardboard. We can't do that. We're known for like we're gonna drop this massive game on you that's that's got all these you know so but what we can do is say well, well, it's already there. It's already yeah. like built to be an awesome game yeah. and like. Even at this level, it would it, you'll be proud of it, but, yeah, but I think it would be much bigger. But we have some things that, like, we would love to be able to sneak into the game that maybe we'd have to put off to an expansion or something like that, right? So, so I mean, you know, we'll see. We uh, but at the time of this, you have like three weeks left, right? I mean, there's yeah. a lot of time. Well, when this runs, it'll be two weeks left. We'll be in the home stretch. Oh my gosh, home stretch! <laughs> oh guys. my god, people, we need you. Please, guys, we can see <laughs> the finish. Your all. last chance. This is your last chance. <laughs> so yeah, so the campaign ends January fifteenth. I'm going to try to turn this around as quickly as possible. Uh, but regardless of when this, when you're hearing it, it ends January fifteenth. Right. You're hearing. If you're hearing this, this campaign's still running. <laughs> right. Do it. So. Right. Because uh, <laughs> even if it isn't, we want them to go, yeah, yeah, go, go, go Kickstarter. <laughs> go check it out. Yeah. Slacker uh, backer. Yeah, exactly. No, but we'll uh, we'll be here for you whenever you show up. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, we, uh, we're, um, we're very hopeful that fans, whether they've, they've played Numenera, whether they're looking forward to In Exile's game, Torment, Tides of Numenera. Oh, very much. Um, in the same world. Yeah, whether they're... Uh, they're, they're just like the Pathfinder Adventure card game or Smash Up, and they want to see what the the new thing that we did is. Like, I mean, it could be any of these things. It was it was weird. On the Pathfinder game, we thought it was going to be all Pathfinder players, Pathfinder RPG players. It turned out about 15% of our audience had played the Pathfinder RPG before they played the Pathfinder uh, Adventure card game. So wow. we, um, we just don't know who our fans are yet right. for this game. We... We start out from the principle, we presume that if you're coming to us, you've heard of Numenera. And then we discover, what's this? This You made a thing a billion years in the future. That's awesome. What is it again? <laughs> and that's awesome, right? Like, yeah. we'd love to have people like that. Yep. So, so I guess whatever part of it, if you're listening, you've gotten this far, some part of it must have been interesting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so whatever. What, to us ramble this long. Yeah, exactly. So uh, if, if that's the case, come come find us. Tell us what you like. Awesome. Well, for the most part, that's answered all of my questions one way or the other. Uh, <laughs> any final words from you guys? Uh, anything you think people should know or want to know about backing the Kickstarter before we wrap up? There will be some some end of... Uh, end of campaign stuff right around the time this launches we'll be heading into our second we, we we often break our kickstarters into two or three chunks and have a little arc to each one and this this one will have um uh, a really interesting home stretch as well uh so even if 
people are listening to this and backed like on day one, you should come back because um, we'll have a bunch more things that that people haven't seen before. At least figure out what all the stretch goals we've met and that you now get are. <laughs> yeah, right. At least find out what we're sending you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's what I get. That's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, definitely, definitely come back if you and if you like. I said, if you've never heard of this stuff before. Uh, just come check it out. Play the print and play. Yeah. You know, just uh, even if you just flip through it. I mean, find out because these guys came up with something that you've never seen before. The rule book's on there too. The rule book's there, yeah. yeah. And and you know, you don't get that that often, right? I mean, like like, well, I mean, around our office. Yeah, guess, well, lightning little, strikes. Yeah, yeah, but but I mean, <laughs> but I mean, it's really true that this game isn't like anything anybody's ever played, and so it's going to take some getting used to. But I think it's going to be a genre just like the adventure card game is a genre now, uh, with Warhammer and and all the other ACGs that have been coming out since we launched Pathfinder. There's going to be, you know. Five years from now, four years from now, there's going to be more of these games too. So check out the first one. Fantastic. Paul, do you have any last words? I think that pretty much covers it. <laughs> I'm just, I, it's, it's awesome. It's awesome to see that we've, that we've funded this early and everything's going great and we're hitting those stretch goals. It's, that's, that's what I like to see. I, I'm, I'm very pleased and I hope people are continuing to, to help us do that. And we're going to go to dinner now where I'm going to tell you what you're going to write. Oh, that's to awesome. make sure that happens. <laughs> okay. Yeah, let's do that. All right, Bo, do you have any last words? Oh, I, I, for me, it's I'm sort of watching it from the outside. I'm really excited. You were gone all the last couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. No, I've, I've been busy, but also just... So, I mean, tell them what you've been doing. I was shipping my own uh, Kickstarter. Um, so yeah, I, I created another game called Paradan and it's out to all the backers, which is really awesome. But um, it's nice watching the campaign kind of from the outside because like, I get to be as excited uh, when I hear all these like <laughs> new updates and stuff, I'm like, "Whoa, that's so so cool! I want to play that right. game." Right? You know, often, often what happens? <laughs> so these guys, these guys have an interesting. Yeah, I found out about because... the co-op thing like yeah. in the update. I was like, "Whoa, that's so cool!" <laughs> you were in a plane. <laughs> yeah, I would have called you. You were on an airplane. Anyway, uh, no, but sometimes I will literally get a piece of art, and then post it before. Before I've told anybody I got it, right. right? And they'll go, I didn't know that was in the game. I'm like, awesome. look, I don't have time to show you. That. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fluid process. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Awesome, guys. Well, 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 thank you all very much for your time tonight. I am excited about the game and learning more about it. I am a big fan of Numenera. Uh, but I, if you will indulge me, I have one favor to ask before we go. Yeah. Uh, would each of you um, share with me one fake Star Wars spoiler? <laughs> Whoa! Whoa! Um, well, I mean, uh, I was really shocked during the assassination of Jar Jar scene. Not that he was assassinated, no, 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 but no. that he was assassinated three times in <laughs> one scene. It's as if they had to they had to do it for each of the previous three movies. I, I was I was very surprised by that. I, I you know, I, I thought once would would have been enough. It was enough to satisfy my bloodlust. Anyway. Right. <laughs> I just have to say the most surprising thing for me was discovering that Wookiees and Ewoks were genetically compatible. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. Well, no. yeah, the hybrid was weird. Well, yeah, I know. It, it well, was, but you could tell that it came from sure, both. So. Yeah. Sure, but, I, yeah. but the thing that really surprised me about that was that it wasn't just halfway between no, an no, Ewok no. and a Wookiee. Yeah. It was the 
top half of the <laughs> and the bottom half of the right, right. Very, yeah. Yeah, very strange. Yeah. Very strange. I mean, it should have been obvious from the name Ewok, Wookie. I mean, they're the yeah, same yeah. letters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. Um, yeah, for me, I think Tatooine's uh, shaved ice stand with C-3PO. <laughs> I did it. Did you know it had the opposite side of the planet was cold? Yeah, well, I mean, he, he speaks so many languages. It's like the perfect thing, right? So people come by, he's like, oh, I know you're, you're here for some kind of like weird hut business deal, but perhaps like some shaved ice as well. <laughs> oh, he's he's always been resourceful. so much money. I know. Yeah, he's always been resourceful. I mean, the, the part where... Uh, that they replaced his head with a bantha just because there was that whole puppet show thing. Yeah. I didn't, I mean, I like a puppet show, right? Right. Who does? But who doesn't? Royd bantha puppet. That's pretty great. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I don't want to spoil too much. No, you no, should, no. Actually, I think we might have said too much. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean it's not too spoilery. <laughs> those, yeah. are, those are all pretty early in the show. So it yeah. won't really be too. Yeah. yeah that was, that was pre credits, actually. I guess the really shocker, the thing for me <laughs> was the statement. That there will never be another Star Wars movie, right at the end. Yeah, you know, yeah. we're like we're done. Yeah, we've we've destroyed the. Well, 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 easy with the spoilers. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's, oh I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, you know, you wouldn't have thought though that that Lucasfilm and, and Disney would have shut off that tap. No, they're just done. They're just done. They're just done. <laughs> I was I was surprised. No merchandising tie-ins. Nope. Uh, it was amazing. All right, gentlemen, thank you so much. I really appreciate you doing that for me. Uh, you guys have a great night. Go get some dinner. Sounds it good. It was a Michael. pleasure. Thanks, Always man. a pleasure, man. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast, the flagship program of the RPG Academy Network. If you enjoy what we do here, then please check out the RPGacademy.com and visit our site partners for additional entertainment and gaming advice. We do this out of love for the hobby and for you, our fans. The podcast and site content will always be free for you to enjoy and utilize. But we do have expenses related to the show. If you'd like to help out in any way, please visit patreon.com slash Academy and check out the rewards we are providing for your monthly pledges. We use all funds that come in to improve the show and give you better content and quality. And if you don't have the coin to spend, don't worry. You can still help us out in many ways. You can subscribe to our show on iTunes and or Stitcher Radio. You can leave us a five-star review. Also, if you clear your cookies and you visit Amazon or the DriveThruRPG site through our portal, we get a small percentage of what you pay, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Just like any RPG. Our site works best with open lines of communication. We love talking with our listeners about everything. Please contact us with any questions, concerns, and comments that you have. We also love to hear feedback and experiences from your own games. You can email us via podcast at therpgacademy.com and reach us on social media such as Facebook and Google Plus at the RPG Academy. But Twitter is usually the fastest way to reach us. You can find my favorite co-host, The Caleb G, at The Caleb G. And you can find my favorite co-host, Michael, at The RPG Academy. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. <laughs>